has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. When you're smiling, when you're smiling, when you're smiling, when you're smiling, and the world smiles with you. And when you're laughing, when you're laughing, oh, you're laughing, oh, you're laughing. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. We hope that you're smiling because it's the best day of the week, God Whispers Day. Oh, yeah. Whenever you happen to listen to this, it's God Whispers Day. <laughs> if it's a Saturday, Tuesday, whatever, it's official. Man. More Louis Prima. Continuing on our Louis Prima kick. information on Louis Prima? Not a whole lot. He's Italian. He's fun. He, I don't know if he's even still alive. I doubt it. I, I kind of doubt it also. He'd be really old. Then again, my cousin's still alive, Tony Bennett. He's still kicking. <laughs> Can't kill him. <laughs> Crazy old commie. Embarrassed to be related to him. 626-593-7713 is the God Whispers hotline. We... We do have a call on the hotline that we will afflict you with in a moment. He uh, he died in 1978. When was he born? Uh, December 7th, 1910. 1910? He's yeah. older than I thought. He uh, was only 68 when he died. Now, we're not talking about the entertainer born in 1965. <laughs> that was, no, no, no. That's Louis Prima Jr. Yeah, Louis Prima kind of American singer, actor, songwriter, trumpeter. <sighs> New Orleans-style jazz band, which we're kind of hearing now. Yeah, a little bit of that. Big band in the 40s. Vegas Lounge Act in the 50s, weren't they all? I thought he kind of came after Sinatra and the Rat Pack. I guess maybe... Maybe well, unless I've got a contemporary prima here. Yeah. Louis Prima just makes me happy. <laughs> Satchmo does that also. Love Satchmo. What are you reading over there? Louis Prima. Reading his uh, whole biography? Yeah. Well, I want to make sure I got the right one, but the sound's right. Yeah. In 1967, Prima's distinctive voice and jazzy delivery landed him a role in Walt Disney's animated feature, The Jungle Book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, As yeah. As the raucous orangutan King Louie. That's right. He's King Louie in The Jungle Book. <laughs> Performed I Want to Be Like You on the soundtrack. I'm going to have to see if I have that one in my library. He can here. also be heard in the soundtrack of another cartoon, cartoon feature, The Man Called Flintstone. Hmm, don't know if I know that one. So tell the fine people out there in podcast land how to email us, will you, Bill? Would they really want to? Yeah, we seem God to have whispers at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web, godwhispers.org and dot godwhispers.com. 
What do we have on the menu today? Well, we are continuing on with the Formula of Concord. Formula of Concord. And uh, Concord. we have a Skype caller on the God Whispers hotline. Oh, joy. And uh, Louis Prima. More Louis Prima. And some nonsense and ranting, I'm sure. All right. And that's about it. You want to go straight to the caller? What do you want to do here? Let's, um, that's kind of deferred from last week, I think. Yeah. So maybe we should. Yeah, it's a holdover. Maybe, you know, I think we should take the Skype caller up front. All and, right. Uh, Let's bring up the Skype. You know, I, I, I don't hear these. So do you have any idea what this is about? Oh, yeah. Here? Yeah, yeah. You're, but oh, you, you're going to have to experience it. You're. you're <laughs> Now I'm starting to second guess myself. This is here. this is a listener from uh, Norway, if I recall. I think it was Norwegian. And okay, uh, so he's a little difficult to okay. understand completely with a little bit of accent. But we'll see. We'll see if we can clean it up uh, as as best as possible right. here. I'm, I'm apprehensive. I'm, I'm here, tweaking but, uh, the mid range a little bit here to kind of. <laughs> Boost those. Whenever you have to tweak the mid range, I get apprehensive. Kind of boost those speaking uh, uh, frequencies there. All right. Okay, so here we go. Hi, this is your Norwegian listener, Bjorn. I, I love how he assumes that we have in, uh, one. Many episodes that uh, <laughs> listening to more than a few episodes at a time will uh, permanently damage your body and mind. This has been proven. Eager to uh, disprove this due to uh, some experience with um, listening to many episodes in a row. Bad idea. I, re- I yesterday sat down at 5 in the evening with um, your uh, exciting back catalog and um, a game of Minecraft. To, Minecraft? Um, try to do a 24-hour marathon. Google that. With God Whisperers. 24 hours. This was uh, going fine until sometime in the night. Until. And um, <laughs> I started feeling a, a bit nauseated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nauseated, but, um, yes. After thinking a little bit, I found out that this, oh, m- this was because um, right. of my diet for the evening, which uh, consisted mostly of uh, candy, coffee, and uh, something called snooze, which is a Swedish... Um, Mouth tobacco oil. Sounds like the so. meal of champs. Candy, so coffee, and meal, chew. I uh, <laughs> continued with the marathon. As well you should. Uh, with somewhat great success, I learned a lot about the Augsburg con- Confession and uh, also got some great uh, work done in Minecraft. Where I, I'm building a wooden village. <laughs> I heard cows. And, um, also got a uh, quite exciting tower based on uh, one of the towers in Lord of Rings, but uh, not one of the two big ones. But as uh, time goes with a little sleep, I um, started getting lesser creative and also didn't get much of the points that you were making in the podcast. So at um, half past two in the day after, I um, decided that uh, this was futile uh, because I couldn't do anything much either in the game or understanding what you were saying. (laughs) But this was uh, purely due to lack of nutrition and um, sleep. 
and what is and Norwegian so, um, chew. During the aftermath of this, he said it was Swedish. Uh, I'm getting some sleep. No, Norway. He's from uh, Norway. Any psychological He's or, a Norwegian um, listener. He said, uh, "Yeah, physical damage to other me or anyone around me, <laughs> or anyone and, around uh, me." <laughs> I would say the experiment went quite well, even though I didn't make the 24 hours I had hoped for. I got to listen to 19 episodes. My word! Which, um, if you didn't know it, it is sort of a building game with blocks. Minecraft. Uh, you may ask yourself why I did this. Why did you do why? this? Why would and, you uh, do this? I, quite frankly, I asked myself the same. You should. Yes. But um, it was mainly because I was really bored. I'm having a vacation and not much money, so there's nothing to do. And uh, the girl I'm currently seeing uh, was at work. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my explanation. Uh, oh, man. I uh, regularly, like, regularly enjoy uh, your great episodes. Um, and... Uh, was uh, quite sad that uh, there wasn't a new one this week. Am I hearing barnyard? Or else I just missed it. I don't know. Um, keep up the great work. This is uh, your ever faithful Norwegian listener. See, he's Norwegian. Ouch. This should have been the lead-in music. This should be our new hotline lead-in music. Lost in Space. Oh, oh, oh this is Lost in yeah, Space? Yeah, Lost in Space, yeah. <laughs> wow. Now, you guys understand what happens when you try this. 19 you, consecutive episodes of 19. God Whispers. It will turn you let, into a Norwegian. L- Don't this, do it. Let this stand as a warning to all of you. <laughs> Although I think he was outfitted properly for it with candy, coffee, coffee and chew. And Norwegian chewing it was, tobacco. It was, it was Swedish tobacco. He was said. it school? <laughs> <laughs> Must have been school. One of the finest calls we've had yet on the Sky you know, line, I think. That, I think it makes it, that call alone makes the annual fee worth it. <laughs> I can't pronounce his name. Couldn't quite understand it. But uh, um, thanks. Thanks for the exper- the bold I, experimentation. You know, I have to. I, this, is like that, this is like that guy that did the documentary Super Size Me. Yeah. Where he, yeah. he voluntarily ate McDonald's three meals a day for a month until, or at least part of the month, until his doctors, you know, basically had him call off the experiment. Well, part of the rule on that, I don't know if you saw it, but part of the rule is if they ever asked, would you like us to supersize that? He, he had, had to, to say, say yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Well, so that, that what was... I found amusing was that, was he was rapidly going into kidney failure <laughs> <laughs> and his doctors are pleading with him to call off the experiment. That's a brontosaurus whale. If you've well, never heard of brontosaurus, and they have them up in Norway, <laughs> you know that that that. I thought it was just reindeer. That but. ranks as one of the highlights of this show over over the Absolutely. years. Absolutely. You know? 
I mean, we've been accused of being narcissistic, yeah. uh, laughing at our own jokes. Uh-huh. And, and here we get an opportunity to laugh at somebody else. That's right. Who gets it. I yes. mean, clearly this guy gets it. He's listening to 19 episodes of The God Whispers oh. and playing Minecraft. And I like how he describes it as work. I got a lot of work done <laughs> on Minecraft. <laughs> This this is a new concept of of work for me. Well, yeah, the, the mind, it's, it's like what, what's the, what's the game? Do, you you know, know what? Do you still play Farmville? No, I give up on that. You're, you're done with that? Yeah, I, I give up on that years ago now. Actually, I started a new game the other day, and before I even really got it, was some military game, uh, like army game on Facebook, and I signed up for it, and I played it for like 15 minutes, and I said. I'm going to stop this now before it becomes a, an addictive obsession. Yet another one. Where I'm up until 4 a.m. trying to get to the next level right. for I, no I, good reason whatsoever. I see a big future in a few years in 12-step groups to get out of these video games. or this. Oh, this. I've, I've heard of guys who are addicted showing up to AA meetings and stuff like that because there's no group for them. Yes. So they'll show up to, yes. to like... You know, cocaine anonymous or whatever, <laughs> and try to. I'm, I'm a junkie. I'm jonesing for my video game kind of thing. And everybody's telling him, "Get out of here." Yeah, pretty much. You know, go, I mean, go get a real addiction. Where are the needle tracks? Come on, what's wrong? With you? <laughs> I, although, I, I if I could offer a critique to our listener, you could have made 24 if you had amarula and bacon. I think. Yeah, I mean, he was lacking in protein. Yeah, and, and, and bacon would. <laughs> Well, and Amarula also. You needed the Amarula the for the coffee. You can nine, put it in with the coffee. 19 hours of the God Whisperer. Yeah, this is a sick puppy. I can barely make it through one hour to edit. One sick puppy. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, we suck. Seek help, friend. Yeah, but, well, Seek help. Well, Seek help. And, and this is not help. I think it's we, we are not helping. We need to move on to theology. We've already wasted... 15 precious minutes. Inquire no more, you feral beast. <laughs> that oh, that volume was way too low. That's Man. not good. Your, your, your effects are way down there. Does this work as an intro for... Uh, I think we could use it. For the formula of Concord? Jason Caspar on the nasal bagpipes. Nasal pipes. Or something like that. I think this is... Please rise for the reading of the, so the Formula of Concord. This is going to be our Formula of Concord theme song. Why not? It's short. It's snappy. It's to the point. I think so. And it kind of runs out of gas at the end, <laughs> kind of like the formula does, really. You know, the formula does run out of gas near the end. It's got this, like, throw-on article about election, which we don't care about, and, and this kind of non-article on the descent into hell. And, oh, and, Rufus and is Ru- getting all dramatic now. What's with the melodrama from the dog? Such a you know what? He does monkey noises too. It's pretty cool. He's like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> I, I I met a good dog uh, awesome. flying flying home. Uh, we're, we're in Phoenix on the plane. Yeah, they brought him on the plane. His name was Nacho. Was it, oh, little Chihuahua. He was uh, he was a part Chihuahua, part something else, and part Beagle. I, I think whatever the combination was, I'm sure it was forbidden in Leviticus. <laughs> Well, like a Corgi Rottweiler mix over yeah, here. That's, that's for, that's, <laughs> gosh, you don't even want to try to imagine what went on there. The ultimate dog might be a Corgi Labrador, though. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Actually, if you could get a bull mastiff and a Corgi together, that would be pretty interesting. I, no. <laughs> Just no. It's, it's a, a dog that's, that's two feet off the ground at 
his maximum height like, and weighs 250 it's like pounds. Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> being married, you know. I mean, it's, it's to to a dwarf. To a dwarf. <laughs> Please, small person. Okay. I never know what to say. Let's be, and the lovely Paula is back. Hey, Paula, what you got there? Some drugs? Yeah, IRS. Oh, good. IRS and drugs. Very good. Well, okay. It's better better her than federal agents at the door. I yeah, say. yeah. Uh, should we just kind of pick up with the the epitome rule? Yeah, yeah. And where do we leave off? Oh, we just took the first uh, the first thing on scripture. Okay. And uh, and you know and, and that's that's really for for and remember the the formula is Lutheran on Lutheran action. I like to say that that's 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 my new phrase: Lutheran on Lutheran action. Attention. <laughs> The following segment contains a home schooler alert. Oh yeah, I didn't like where you were going with that. So well, I, we're I not going to go anywhere out. with that. Um, but the you know the the the, the final the, indeed the sole uh, rule and norm of doctrine is holy scripture. Now, one of the things that I'm not clear on here is: did they mean the the 66 book canonical scriptures as we define them today, or did that also include the apocrypha? I think a case could be made for the apocryphal books being included in this statement. So not not just the Luther Bible? Hmm? Yeah, well, not, that, that had the apocrypha in it. Yeah, but he, Luther made it clear this is not scripture. This is just good good reading. Yeah, I'm not sure if, if – did he say it's not scripture or it's not on the par with the other scriptures? I don't know. I I just trying to look into that. Someone said that once. I don't know. Just probably, I mean, the fact that probably I, a Methodist. I'm not for sure. I'm not sure how often the the apocrypha is cited in the formula. We we need to report back on that. But that that'd be an interesting that question. Do they question. cite? Do they cite the? Because in in other places in the confessions, when they cite the apocrypha, very often it's conditioned by the arguments they're 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 refuting or addressing. Hmm. And so, you know, hmm. your choice of passage is not their own, but but their opponents. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. here, this is strictly intramural Lutheran, and so the argumentation and the, the line of reasoning is going to be reflective of how Lutherans approach these things. So, anyway, uh, continuing on though, and and the interesting thing is we don't stop there. We don't stop with just basically saying sola scriptura. That's it. We're done. Uh, but. Uh, I, Two is not article two. It's just reference, not reference to, but point to. Immediately after the time, oh, I think we read this. Immediately after the time of the apostles, in fact, already during their lifetime, false teachers and heretics invaded the church. Against these, the ancient church formulated symbols, that is, brief and explicit confessions, which were accepted as the unanimous Catholic Christian faith and confessions of the Orthodox and true church, namely the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. We pledge ourselves to these, and we thereby reject all heresies and teachings which have been introduced into the Church of God contrary to them. So, purely within the Western tradition. But see, that's, that's already tradition. The creeds, apostles, Nicene, Athanasian creed. That's Western tradition. Yes. Not East. East well, is well, Nicaea uh, only without the Filioqua. Not, not the apostles? No. Ooh. Apostles is Western. That's, that's the Roman baptismal creed. Right, but I didn't know that that was exclusive to the West. It is. Who knew? It is. is. The the sole creed of the East is the Nicene Creed. (laughs) We have domestic background noise. Nicene Creed minus the Western Filioque. So. So there. 
Yeah. But, you know, already you see that distinguishes Lutherans from the rest of Protestantism in that uh, we acknowledge and accept the old historic creeds of Western Christendom. Well, the Calvinists did. The Calvinists accept the creeds, don't they? I don't know about Athanasian. I, I don't know. Point three, with reference to the schism in matters of faith, which have occurred in our times, uh, we regard as the unanimous consensus an exposition of our Christian faith, particularly against the false worship, idolatry, and superstition of the papacy and other sects, and as the symbol of our time, the first and unaltered Augsburg Confession, which was delivered to Emperor Charles V at Augsburg during the Great Diet of the year 1530, together with the Apology uh, uh, thereof and the articles drafted at Small called at the year 1537, which the leading theologians approved by their subscription at that time. So, um, what are you doing? I'm trying to read. I see. I've got bad light. <laughs> do, do you need a flashlight? I do, actually. <laughs> do you need illumination. You're seeking illumination here. So we said at, at sort of first order our own, and notice the hierarchy here, scripture, creeds, historic creeds, followed by Augsburg Confession and Apology, and then also the small called articles, which would have also have included the, the treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope as well. Man, all chaos is breaking out around here. Hey, shut up. Nobody wants to hear it, pal. Zip it. I think the more you address it, the more it becomes part of the show. Nah, he I'm fears saying. me. He'll shut up. He fears me. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Paula does, too. When I tell her, she, she behaves. And then a paragraph that interests me. <laughs> Since these matters also concern the laity and the salvation of their souls. We I, subs- I'm lost. Where are you? Uh, reference later? five. We subscribe okay. Dr. Luther's small and large catechisms. As both of them are contained in his printed works, they are the layman's Bible. The yes. layman's Bible and contain everything, everything which Holy Scripture discusses at greater length and which a Christian must know for his salvation. That's a rather large and expansive claim. Well, yeah, and then you consider how many of our churches in our church body will uh, do catechesis one afternoon over pizza where they show you slideshows of all the activities that the church has to offer. And says, oh, yeah, Jesus is God. You need to be baptized. Go in peace. And that's about it. Now, that leads to an interesting question. Um, somebody on, on Facebook was posting a thing about length of catechesis. And, uh, and, and I think that he had it down to a couple of hours. Uh, now, initially, he said that it couldn't be done. But then he came away convinced that it could. Now, uh, I say this by way of what you said and what I just read. That the small and large catechisms are the layman's Bible, which contain everything which the Holy Scripture discusses at greater length and which a Christian must know for his salvation. So don't you think that you could get through, like, the small catechism in a couple hours? It really depends on if you want the people to understand it. Well, (laughs) but it was written for children. Yeah. So, I mean, how much is there to understand? Yeah, I, I don't make my kids memorize the whole catechism. I, I want them to synthesize it and I'll ask them kind of difficult questions. So they aren't just regurgitating words, but rather they understand the words. Right. And I, I catechize my kids in one year. 
I, I do one year. I know some people do three. I do one year. I once catechized. We go through law and gospel. We go through the catechism. We, uh, we go through all sorts of stuff like that. We touch on the liturgy. Uh, but the kids can basically recite the catechism, but not verbatim. But they'll put it in That's their own of, words, which I like. You know, I think there's a great that, – that raises a different issue, the issue of rote memory. Right. Um, you know, I think part of the problem is I don't think it's taught in schools as much any no. longer. That rote, rote learning is considered kind of a low-level – Although I think the classical education people bring it back. I, I think that that's at the that's at the basic level of classical education is, mm-hmm. is memorization. Yeah. Um I, I think we had this theory, and I'm not sure we were wrong, that the, the simple act of memorizing the catechism was also in itself beneficial, not just a means to an end, but but an end with with benefits in and of itself. I agree with that. You know, it, it, I, I do agree that it has benefits if you, if you memorize it, and I encourage the kids to memorize it. But if they have a hard time memorizing it, I just want them to be able to tell me what it means in a very clear and orthodox way. Now, uh, I wouldn't argue that, that you, you, it would take a year, two years, a lifetime to unpack everything that the catechism says. But the, the, the question goes back, and it, it comes back to what was being debated here. Could you catechize somebody... Uh, in a very fundamental, rudimentary way, in just a few hours, using say nothing but the small catechism, would that be sufficient? Could I? It depends on where the person's coming from. How many, you know, if they're having problems with things like infant baptism or the real presence of Lord's Supper. But those or, are specific issues. You know, it, it depends on where they're coming from. Let's take I, a I blank mean, slate. Somebody uh, who knows nothing about anything doesn't have any opinions about it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I once catechized a guy who was a, he was a Marine, and he was heading off to, this was Persian, this was the Gulf War number one. Yeah. And, and he, was, he was heading out the next day, and, and he came by, and he wasn't baptized. He wouldn't be baptized. But he really hadn't had much any instruction. So I spent the better part of an afternoon with him and baptized him at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But we just basically went through the small catechism. Yeah. Just, just part by part by part. Well, if they're willing and they don't have a whole bunch of objections because they grew up in a he crazy had no agenda at all. It was yeah, just like, I mean, you know, and you know, if you're dealing with tabla rasa, you're probably a lot, a lot more likely to be able to do something like that. Whereas if somebody's coming in from the Baptist church and they want to refute everything that you have to say, you're going to spend a little more time than that. I remember Dr. Nagel saying that uh, teaching them to observe or keep or hold fast to everything that I've commanded you, Matthew 28, uh, he he says, how long would it take to do the everything (laughs) or the all things? It's tapanta, all things. How long would it take to do all things? And his comment was, when they say, um, don't stop, teach us more. You know you've taught them. Right. Uh, you know, and that's kind of, that was Luther's great point, that his catechesis is a lifetime of learning. But I'm fascinated with two things. One is that we call the catechisms the layman's Bible. Right. Which, you know, would we, would we be so bold as to say that today? I mean, I, I think, remember I said I got tons of hate mail for just basically implying that a believer and, and the Bible uh, in isolation are rather dangerous. Uh, would, would we be able to call the, the catechisms the layman's Bible in like an article in the Lutheran Witness without generating hate mail? You know, the catechisms, that's not the Bible. Let's find out. Men wrote that. <laughs> Luther wrote that. He wasn't inspired and inerrant, you know, or maybe there's some who think that he was. 
Well, yeah, when I named my dog Luther, I, a bunch of guys at seminary wanted to lynch me. I'm like, what? Oh, did I they love, really? I love Luther. Naming him Luther. Yeah, I love Luther. What, what do you mean? I love my well, dog. Well, you were naming him Luther. Luther Vandross. No, Martin Luther. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I'm a big fan, and I was a fan of my dog, too. I love them both. I don't see a problem. See, I think this, is, this, this goes back to the idea that the, the word of the, while the Bible is the word of God, is the word of God, the word of God is not exclusively limbed by the Bible. In other words, reliable summaries of the word of God are the word of God. Let's get into that when we come back. I'm, I'm trying to unpack oh, what you're Marie. saying. Oh, we'll be back. Oh, oh, I promise. And your arms. I'm longing to be. Longing to be. Mm, baby. Baby. Tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. Kiss me once while the stars shine above me. Shine above me. Hey, hey Marie. Hey, Marie. Oh, Marie. Oh, Marie. And your arms. I'm longing to be. Longing to be. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Tell me you love me. Tell me you love me. Hey, Marie. Hey, Marie. Hey, Sammy. Come here, boy. Hey, Marie. Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. Expanding your musical horizons. So Louis Prima. I almost said Verizon, like as a phone service or something. I don't know. Hey, boy, you're sweet as wine. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it's a sign of middle age where we are liking this music. You know what? When I was a kid, my dad listened to this sort of thing, and I hated it. I know, me too. Like, come on, Dad. Sinatra, all that stuff. Dean Martin, so yeah. all that. Now I can't get enough. You realize those guys actually were good? Oh, yeah, they were. They rocked. This is uh, Louis Prima and Keely Smith. Hey, boy, hey, girl. There we go. Oh, yes. Good stuff. Okay, we left off. In the interim, my wife comes in with a notice that we're about to have everything seized and our wages garnished and everything. Just, and, and, just, the, and the dog basically taken away. Yeah, just, just drops Social it. Social like, service is going to come for the dog. Like, oh, Craig, by the way, while we're on vacation, the government's going to come and take everything. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and my, my wife has broken. The car broke down in Brea. So, so right. this is the God Whisper right. disaster edition. The disaster edition. edition. But you know what? There's, you, you can't break my wife's spirit. She's, oh, she's, she's just so, happy. She's, she's just happy. smiling. She's like, sitting, yeah, on, gonna take she's, she's sitting on the couch doing a little Facebooking here, just kind of hanging out. I don't like it that much anyway. Let's just give it to him. <laughs> well, that, she says we need to get rid of the condo anyway. <laughs> so, hey, short sale IRS repo. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, just, just yeah, whatever. You know, whatever I got to learn okay. to live life like this. Is this is this is holding. Things with a very loose hand, right here. It is. It is indeed. Uh, no, Paul. Paul is a gem like that. I mean, he, I, what would it take for her not to be smiling? She's just smiling over the. What? Oh yeah, yeah. If she loses something, it's panic and cry, and then look. Is it? I've, I've, oh, I've she, helped her with this. If she loses this, things, yeah, I've helped her with this. Oh, like like something for school that she needs for oh, tomorrow okay. or something. And it's 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 drama, drama. And I, I said, stop. No. 
Look, then panic. Look, then panic. It's like the just, diver. She's getting good at it, though. She's, it's like the learning. diver's rules about emergency. Stop. Yeah. Breathe. <laughs> right. Think. If breathe. you can't breathe, yeah. proceed to step number three. Breathe. Panic. No, no, no. That's what we're Drop doing. your waves uh, and shoot for the No. <laughs> blow. No. Blow. Blow as you blow. No, no none of that. None of that. <laughs> shoot for the surface and panic. No, no. Breathe. <laughs> but but when you try to breathe, and there's like, and there's nothing there. Well, well that's why you have a buddy. Yeah, <laughs> you hope he's nearby. With, with, that, with and, that, with that famous sign, and paying attention. But you're dealing with Lowndes. He doesn't pay attention to Lowndes things. Lowndes is a good, good dive buddy. Yeah, he is. He, I'm is, sure he, is. he is really good. I'm no, sure he is. He, he's a. He's he's very 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 attentive. I, I've I've dived with others who uh, you cannot kind of you you wonder. How many are going to be coming back from this <laughs> but, but Yeah, yeah, dive, buddy. You're on your own. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Okay, you know, I, I wasn't preparing for a solo dive, but it's turned into one anyway. Yes, so. yes, yes. Yeah. When we left off, you were saying something about the Word of God before, oh, yeah, before yeah, 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 I got into this. The, before dinner, the IRS got Trying through. to call the IRS. And yeah, if you it. notice a strange, uh, a, a sort of a disconnect between Craig's mood from the first half and the second half of the show, it has to do with a certain IRS letter that was opened in the inter- intermission. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and amazingly, pro that he is. He's back on the air. Well, he's recording. Yeah, only I just left my wife stranded with the with the triple A guy in Brea. So you know, that's, it's all good, man. And and Paul is sitting good. on the couch smiling. That's right. So it's, it's you, all, know, you know why? Hey, I'm going to tell you why. God is good. I'm going to tell you why right now. What's that? Louis Prima. He makes you happy. Banana spread for my baby. You can't not How smile. How can you not smile? It's all good. I think See? we should we should come up with Louis Prima therapy. <laughs> if know? life's got you down, listen to Louis Prima. Yeah, you put on some Louis happy. Prima and 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 it's it's all good. Uh, what I was saying was we were talking about this this statement, which is again repeated in the Solid Declaration. That Luther's catechism, small and large, are uh, essentially embody the entire Christian faith in a nutshell. Right, and that uh, and and they are a, as it were, a layman's Bible. Uh, the the Solid Declaration in the same spot says this: since these important matters also concern ordinary people and laymen who for their eternal salvation must as Christians know the difference between true and false doctrine. We declare our unanimous adherence to Dr. Luther's small and large catechisms as he prepared them and incorporated them in his published works. Since they have been unanimously sanctioned and accepted and are used publicly in the churches, the schools and the homes of those churches, which adhere to the Augsburg confession. And here's the sentence. And since they formulate Christian doctrine on the basis of God's word for ordinary laymen in a most correct and simple yet sufficiently explicit form. So I, what I was saying was that that we we say that the Bible is God's word. There's no no, no equivocations about that. Right. But God's word is more conceptually speaking is more than the Bible. You know, so that a preacher preaching from the word of God is that's God's word. Now, if he's not preaching the word of God, it's not God's word, you know. But but but, and that word has to be normed by the scriptures, of course. Yeah, because well, there is no other. It, it's it's kind record. of record. 
kind of like I, I tell my parishioners, the Bible is everything God wants to tell us, but it's not everything there is about him. That's a little different. That, that's, I, I think what I'm saying here is that when one summarizes the word of God faithfully, that too is the word of God. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, in, and, and so it, it's one of those things that, that uh, in fact, I, I, I've, I've often wondered if, if Christianity were simply a body of knowledge, God could have summarized it on one sheet of paper and be done with it. Probably. You know, 10, 12 propositions, have to yeah. be 10 or 12, but, but uh, you know, you could be done. Could be but, seven. But instead, instead you get narrative, you get story, you get this tapestry, this collage of all sorts of stuff. Right. The history of Israel, the incarnation, all of this happening in, with, and under human history. And out of this, there are just certain things that have popped out that comprise the body of Christian teaching. And they are summarized in like this, this neat little nutshell in the small catechism. It's all good. It's all good. But it all goes back to the scriptures as the sole rule and norm of all that is taught. And so um, back to the epitome, all doctrines should then conform to the standards set forth above. Whatever is contrary to them should be rejected and condemned as opposed to the unanimous declaration of our faith. In this way, the distinction between the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament and all other writings is maintained, and Holy Scripture remains the only. There's our sola. Holy Scripture remains the only judge, rule, and norm according to which, as the only touchstone, all doctrines should and must be understood and judged as good or evil, right or wrong. Other symbols and other writings are not judges like Holy Scripture. But my text says merely, and my note says only, and I think only is what it should be, but only witnesses and expositions of the faith, setting forth how at various times the Holy Scriptures were understood by contemporaries in the Church of God with reference to controverted articles and how contrary teachings were rejected and condemned. Um, Reader's I, edition says only, by the way. Well, then that's it. That clinches it, it, doesn't it? So that's our, that's our Luther, Lutheran scripture and tradition. Tradition is witness to how the fathers, the reformers, understood the articles of the doctrine of scripture. And that's what I meant when I said that the isolated believer with a Bible <laughs> is the most dangerous thing. Uh, it, 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 would be like, it would be like somebody watching a sporting event who didn't know the event. It was, I'm pushing it, but, but didn't know what the sport was and would just draw all kinds of conclusions oh, based on what yeah, he yeah, saw. Yeah. Now, if he's sitting around with people who know the sport, who've been experienced, maybe who have played the sport, maybe a few sports commentators, experts, coaches, whatever, the more people you have in that conversation, the more enlightened your viewing of that game would be. Right. Right. Same with the scriptures. The more people involved in the conversation, that is the whole Catholic Church, as it were, the more enlightened your reading and understanding of the scriptures is going to be. Well, and I think part of that also is knowing how to read the scriptures. Because a lot of people will, you know, I grew up basically using the scriptures like a Ouija board, where you just randomly open the Bible and start reading random verses to construct something that fits what you want it to be. Right. So you start just becoming a rank heretic because you don't know what you're doing. You're a child with a shotgun. You're just dangerous. Well, and it's also a purely subjective reading. Right. Because, because it's you and that text alone, and you're assuming for no good reason that that text applies to you. Just now, because you open the Bible to that page after praying, please, Lord, speak to me. Right. 
Now, what, what about our Roman Catholic friends that would say, no, 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 you have to read this through the fathers. And, and the fathers will tell you what the scriptures really say. And, of course, the fathers were all over the board on these things. But you, you end up putting that tradition, the councils and the fathers, on a par. And so you, you end up with this conflicted reading of things. But ultimately, everything must fall into line to support the papacy and that sort of thing. Well, it, what it is, though, and I think the, I think the, the Catholics are correct and honest in saying uh, they're correct within their own doctrinal system in saying that Scripture is part of the tradition. And so you can't pull Scripture out of holy tradition because it is part of tradition. But but for them, that's an ongoing and developing thing. You know, right. The Holy Spirit continues to speak through the church. Um, now, apparently, the Holy Spirit changes mind now and then and contradicts things here and there. But let's not be troubled by those things. <laughs> but but whereas see, our approach is there's something unique about the prophets, evangelists, and apostles. Right. A non-repeatable kind of uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And so so what's recorded there, what has been committed to writing there, certainly they said other things. They did lots of other stuff. John's book, John's gospel says Jesus said and did all sorts of things that, you know, volumes could not contain were they all written down. But these things particularly have been chosen so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, believing you have life in his name. So, so what we have written is the sure testimony of what the apostles, the the prophets and the evangelists said, and there's nothing else we can go with. You know, it's like the buck stops there. I would have loved to have uh, like kind of a table talk of what Jesus said kind of thing. Like, you know, sitting around drinking some wine with the boys and, and <laughs> yeah, just, right. you know, kind of cutting loose, maybe telling some jokes, <laughs> you know, what, what was Jesus's favorite joke? That sort of thing would have been pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I'd be a fan. I like to write a whole book of Jesus Jesus jokes with angel wings. (laughs) He's playing with Leonard Skinner, and I'm there in the front. No, that's a different thing. Yeah, that was that was uh, (laughs) Ricky Bobby. There, that's you know this business of the Bible too. Think about it. For until the 15th century in the Gutenberg Press, Christianity existed for 1,400 years without people owning a personal scriptures. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, it took a while to actually get clergy and others to understand that having the Bible in the hands of the laity is not a bad idea. Well, (laughs) Luther put it in the vernacular of the people. Well, Tyndale got burned at the stake for doing that. And and people were not happy about that. And I think that partly because Scripture is not a private interpretation, but also... Uh, because if they know what's in it, then well, the we, jigs we, up. We can't manipulate them as well. So. <laughs> I'll tell you the value of tradition, and 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 this is where I think Lutherans do part ways with Protestant Christianity in general is that we do have a certain um, adherence to tradition as a reference point. In in Doctor Nagel's class, the way I would paraphrase it is, it goes like this: Is Scripture gets you two points? It gets you a dominical word from the Lord. And it gets you an apostolic word, but two points and two points will get you a line, but tradition gets you the third point to check the line. In other words, you, you, you see, for example, Jesus says, you know, make disciples of the nations, baptizing, teaching, right? Okay. You see the apostles baptizing and teaching. 
and, and teaching about baptism in a way that's consistent with what Jesus says in Matthew 28. So there are your two points. And then you see the church baptizing and teaching in the same way, including infants in a lot of places. Right. So now there's your third point, and that, that, kind of, that gives you a very confident line to work with that says we are in that stream. We, we are consistent with the apostolic church in, in, at that level. Yeah, but then you run into a lot of problems also with things like the Didache not being real heavy on the gospel, kind of lowering it a lot. Uh, you have church fathers who kind of go off the reservation, guys like Tertullian that end up become Montanists and uh, kind of prehistoric, uh, rigid Pentecostals. And, you right. know, I mean, I mean, just because they were closer to the event doesn't mean that they really understood better, does it? Uh, in some senses it does. Uh, they understood the language of the scriptures better than we do. Okay. It's hard for us. I think it's more difficult for us to become first century citizens. Oh yeah. Yeah. Linguistically. Yeah. And, and historically they were living that now they may, they're, let me, let me put it this way. I think their blind spots are different than our blind spots are. Okay. We have the benefit of 2,000 years of reflection and, and arguing and confessing right, and worshiping right. and everything else. They didn't. And so they were kind of working through all the implications of what this death and resurrection of Jesus was all about. Um, and I might add incarnation, because it's really the incarnation that creates the big crisis in the early church. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give you some other examples. For women pastors, okay? It, okay. It's, it's, it's a derivative argument that, that I think could be fairly easily refuted. Um, it's a derivative argument that, that women are not to be pastors if all you use is the Bible alone. All right. Okay, because you could... Because nowhere in Scripture does it clearly say women are not to do that. Well, yeah, women are not to be ordained as pastors. Right. Okay, but here's the problem. I mean, the whole but the whole institutionalization of the ministry, the whole notion of ordination is there, but only in its kind of seminal form in the New Testament. You really don't get a fully developed clergy for a couple of centuries. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff we're arguing is really downstream. But the fact that two or three centuries later, they weren't ordaining women, whereas all the other religious groups had religious female leaders, that tells you something. That tells you that they understood these things from the apostolic church in that way. See, there's your point. You know, and it's you don't start there. You don't start with the third point. You start with the, the points of scripture. But you have the tradition to kind of check your reading. Mm-hmm. It's the equivalent of sitting around with the knowledgeable people at a sports bar, and they'll tell you what's good and what's bad about the game you just saw. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's a community effort. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always look at um, the the Catholicity of the whole thing with women's ordination and that. You, you know, a lot of times these people are saying, well, we're, we're being ecumenical. We're being Catholic. We're being ecumenical. But the reality is the church hasn't done this, didn't do this until the 20th century. Yeah, that, and all the churches before the 20th century, you're not being ecumenical with them. You're being ecumenical with the church of the 20th and 21st century. See, I, I think there are a number of things. That when somebody claims Catholicity, how do you test that? Uh, you can claim it all you want. Like Mormons claim to be Christians. Right. But, I mean, anybody can lay claim to the title. The question is, how do you objectively test that? Are they Christian or aren't they? You know, and you use Christian symbols, Christian standards to test them. Right. So do Mormons believe what the Nicene Creed says? No. Basically answer no. So they can claim up and down that they're Christian, but they 
they, they fail every Christian test you throw at them if they're being honest about their doctrine, what they're teaching. And the same with, with you know, groups who say, oh, you know, well, we've decided today to ordain women to the ministry, but we're still Catholic. You know, we're still apostolic. Right. We're, we're still historic. Well, said, well, they didn't. And they hadn't for a long time. There's a strong consensus. Now, sort of one, one might argue that in most of these places, women didn't have that position to begin with. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and that's the problem. I mean, you're, you're, you're never arguing, like we said before, to absolute certainty, but beyond reasonable doubt. Right. Right. You've made the point also that infant baptism, not clearly taught in Scripture. No. You know, but, but you see the practice of the early church. Yes. You see Although the, not uniformly. There are places where they question it, you know, and, and, and there, there are church fathers who begin to question infant baptism. Well, yeah. You, but the fact that they Tertullian's begin to, a good example of that. But yeah, but the fact that they begin to question it tells you it's going on. Right. You don't question practices that aren't going on. Right. But most of those people weren't arguing with the efficacy of baptism, even for infants. They had a poor understanding of what sanctification is because if you sinned after you were baptized, you, you had to make up for that. Right. So the best thing is get baptized on your deathbed. That way you can't screw it up. And, it, you know, so it was just, it wasn't a misunderstanding of what baptism does, but it was a misunderstanding of what sin is to the Christian. Right. And how sin is dealt with. Right. You know, uh, they saw baptism as a kind of a once and out deal. Right. So, which is why a lot of them basically held off till their deathbed. Right. Constantine wasn't baptized until he was quite Some old. even question whether he was ever baptized. Uh, I wasn't there. I don't know. And, you know, with Constantine, it gets some, complicated. Some question if I ever was. I don't have a document. He's a, but he's a public figure, for one thing. <laughs> and he has a vested interest in playing all sides. That's true. You know, I don't trust the guy very much. I mean, it was kind of like a... It would, this was a mixed bag when Christianity became legal. Yeah, that's that's the thing is people misunderstand Constantine and the legality issue. Constantine didn't make Christianity the church of the Roman Empire. He just made it acceptable or legal to be a Christian. Well, yeah, you know, and he saw the writing on the wall because the Roman pantheon was dying. Right. The old Roman religions, nobody was interested in that stuff anymore. Right. And the whole thing's falling apart. And he saw Christianity as kind of the, this is the rising new kid on the block in, in religion that could bring some semblance of union back to this, this empire that's mm -hmm. crumbling. And, you know, he, he, he was kind of reading, I think, the, the cultural political times, too. I'm not saying that he was. I'm not saying that he wasn't. You know, I'm just just saying that as as a political leader, he's got a lot invested in this. Oh, you see his interactions with the Arians and the Orthodox, and he, he's kind of you know he's loosey goosey and everything, and uh, he just he just wants things to get settled. Yeah, yeah. And really, it wasn't until Theodosius after after him that where Christianity became the gig for the Roman Empire. You know, not much unlike Emperor Charles V. Who you know? How much? How much? I see what you're doing. You're like bringing it back around to the formula. You know, there I am doing it's, it again. That's amazing. You know, it really is. But but you know, he had the same sort of thing. How committed is he to the papacy? Uh, yeah. You know, he's got he's got a big Turkish Islamic problem. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 he's got he's got basically this realm that's almost ungovernable, and these these kind of rather. Uh, uh, boisterous German states who, you know, I mean, 
even today, I mean, Germans and Italians, it's not working no, out too well. No. You know? So, yeah, so he's got he's got political issues and these religious things. He just wants unity. Right. You know, peace and unity. Stop fighting about your doctrine. Isn't that what administrators always want? Right. It's like, just don't cause me any trouble. They, they do. Just don't they cause do. me don't, any trouble. Don't rock the boat. Don't create divisions. Don't cause trouble. I mean, that's like most of our districts. You can be a heretic as long as you don't cause me any grief as a district president. <laughs> Go knock yourself out. Yeah, well, here's the problem with the formula of Concord is is that it, it seeks Concord by basically going back to the, the teachings of the scriptures, the Catholic tradition. And it doesn't ignore the Catholic tradition. Right. This is right. what a lot of our Protestantizing sort of uh, uh, friends and, and Lutherans uh, kind of miss, I think, is that a lot of what we do, whether it be liturgy, forms of worship, our hymnody, our practices, closed communion. There's another one. Mm-hmm. That's a derivative. That's a derivative practice. Right. There's nothing in the Bible that says don't commune Methodists. No, pretty for a variety of reasons. Right. A Methodists didn't exist. B, <laughs> there weren't denominations, although Paul testifies to the fact that there were divisions even within the Corinthian congregation. Blah blah blah. But we take a bunch of passages and we draw a conclusion that it's the right practice not to commune where there are vast doctrinal differences. Right. But you could, without, without the testimony of the church fathers and the tradition of the church, you couldn't arrive at that conclusion, I don't believe. I, I'd be very curious to see uh, how the reformers treated communion fellowship. I really don't know much about that. I, I know, you know, we always invoke the Galesburg rule, which was what, 1800s? The, the oh, the Akron-Galesburg yeah. rule is, is, is a 19th century creation. That would be 1800s, right? Yes. 19th century? Yes. So, and that's I think the, in terms of centuries. Yeah. You that, think in terms of hundreds. Whatever. Uh, that's <laughs> You say tomato, I say six, tomato. Six, one half a dozen of the other, that's you know? Right. Uh, but, you know, here we are, 1850-ish, give or take 50 years, and we say Lutheran pulpits and Lutheran altars are for Lutherans only. And that's it. But what happened before then? How, you know, how, how did the Reformers see communion fellowship? I know Lutheran Zwingli had a parting of the ways over the real presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper. And Luther ended up saying, you're of another spirit because Zwingli rejected the real presence of Christ, basically. But what about the Lutherans and the Roman Catholics? What about the Lutherans and the Eastern Orthodox? Now, I realized that things were very localized and you wouldn't have a... Eastern Orthodox guy coming into a Lutheran church, probably, but if he was out now, traveling, see, perhaps. Th- there's, there's the problem is, is that you have um, regional churches, right? And people were not nearly as mobile as we are talking about today, right? But say you were a merchant, and you're traveling from Constantinople down to Genoa or somewhere mm-hmm. like that, and you know you're doing, and you're living stuff. abroad for a goodly amount of right. time. And you, you happen to travel through Germany and your carriage breaks down and you're stuck there for a month. Yeah, just, just saying. Your horse dies. You, you're stuck there for a while. You, you know, and you say, well, I think I'll go to church. And that reminds me. I gotta, first I thing is, my wife. you know, these people are speaking German, so you don't understand a word that's going on. Yeah, so well. That's see, another problem. See, there. <laughs> solved right there. I think Ehlert refers to the an Aryan, a, a leading Aryan who, who attended but refused to commune at a Catholic altar in France. Um, 
and you know the, these kinds of things. But then again, see that's kind of curious because it's always the split off groups that are that close communion. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I remember a, 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 an Eastern Orthodox uh, historian at one of our pastors' conferences, a, a lady professor, uh, pointing out that the so-called Catholic Church. Um, was always the the last to sort of close off fellowship and communion. It was always the hmm. sects and the split off, the Donatists, the Novationists. Right. They were always the ones closing off communion to everybody else, and and the the Catholic Church only responded to that. <laughs> Paul, my wife is a loud person. She's in the other room. <laughs> this is this is the, the 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 show of many many voices. Yes, this is uh, now she's walked out the door. Now the dog will start barking. So we've, you know what? We've got a minute and twenty seconds left. What, what does this mean? It means make all the noise you want. <laughs> it's, it's, Go it's, ahead. It's over. Go ahead. This is episode 196. We're four away from the big 200. We need suggestions on something stupid to do for the 200th episode. For the 200th? I'm thinking, well, first of all, we've got some Lemker music in the works. Oh, that's excellent. I didn't know about that. We'll have some Lemker. And uh, I don't know. We've got, uh, um, I think Brian Yamambi is working on another. uh, Oh, he is. Yeah, he is. How nice. Another mayhem. I thought maybe he gave us up for for Radical Grace or something. Radical Grace. Yeah, all those other great shows. Yeah. But uh, no, I I think there's there's a fair amount. I say we have a Hot Foot Sunday bar. We we just open a Hot Foot Sunday uh, bar for the. At Ted Drew's. Ooh, that sounds good. I had a great time at Ted Drew's. What, what did you have? It, um, what did I have? I can't remember now. My favorite is still the Fox Treat. That's what my wife Huge had. Huge fan. My wife had that. I had the tiramisu sundae. Oh, that's pretty good. I don't like the sundaes as much as the concrete. You know, I'm, I may be uh, going back to that. Yeah. But I, I, I've gone from concrete to Sunday back, and I might be going back to concrete. Yeah. Mix it all together, I say. For those of you who live in St. Louis, you are lucky people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got Ted Drews. We'll see ya. Maybe. Jesus is a friend of mine. We need another theme song. I got one. Here we go. No, don't overplay songs. No, it gives me a migraine. We'll go with this. Oh, Marie. Oh, Marie. Oh, if you don't tune us out fast enough, you get Louis Prima. Let's go out on Louis today. Let's let's do that. Tell me you love me. Kiss me once while the stars shine above me. Shine above me. Hey, hey, Marie. Hey, Marie. Oh, Marie. They even sounded like they had a good time. I, I gotta imagine they've got they've got some Chianti open, the kind in the basket. They're just kind of pouring it around. Salami. They got salami. By the way, when we're done here, we need to talk about Don Tiki tickets. tickets. <laughs>